and welcome to the Commander Boys Podcast. Our names are Manny and Andrew, and this is a podcast of two best friends talking about their lives and opinions because nobody asked for them. Our podcast name comes from the Myers-Riggs personality test for the ENTJ personality, which we both found out is another thing we have in common in our friendship. With all that being said, let's take command and get into it. Tell me what you know. How do you feel about nematodes? What the fuck is a nematode? I don't know, but it was a thing in Spongebob where they asked nematodes. Oh, those are those little wormy things. Yeah, nematodes are people too, according to the dumpster. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that is a weird thing to say. Like, first off, right off the bat, right. and in Spongebob universe, because, mm-hmm. like, do nematodes get treated less in society? Right. Like, are they racist? Right. Like... I feel like nematodes are implied to be, like, animals, and so it's supposed to be, like, animals are people, too, so that's, like, the PETA equivalent. Okay, but they are able to think cognitively. Are they? To a limited amount, because they're, like, hungry. Hungry, 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 hungry. Still hungry. Is Still it still hungry, 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 hungry? Aren't nematodes the? I don't really know what nematodes look like to be honest. Like um, an IRL nematode. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm assuming that they are just like they have in the show, little worms. That mm. being said, sponges in the ocean don't look like kitchen sponges. So, are the worms that they walk like dogs? Are those nematodes? No, those are worms. How do they breathe? I don't know. I mean, I realize we're analyzing a show that had a campfire underwater in more than one episode. (laughs) True. And quite frankly, you threw me for a loop because I did not think we were going to start the podcast like this. I mean, you said, what's up? And that's just what was on my mind. Oh, okay. So that's how this this kind of episode. Right, right. right. I mean, who makes the cars? (laughs) Oh, I I don't want to tell that story until (laughs) later. Yeah, I don't know. Like, okay, so the worms that they walk like dogs. Mm Mm-hmm. They look like earthworms. Right. So, by definition, they shouldn't exist. Right. Because they're not water worms. Right. Which is a very big difference. Right. Unless we look up on Google, which I'm not going to right now, and see that earthworms can breathe in water. But I don't think they I'm can. I'm almost like a thousand percent sure they cannot. Right. Because, because they they're not breathe, earth and water worms. They breathe through this. This is my sorry memory of Kim. Uh, Kim not Kim. What's the dissection lab called? Biology. Biology, thank you. This is my Science 101, <laughs> brought to you by the Commander Boys. This is my very limited memory of biology from high school. I believe earthworms are kind of like sharks in that they have to keep moving to breathe. And they breathe by absorbing the oxygen through the dirt that they eat. That's why like, they eat and shit at the same time. And they pull the oxygen out of the dirt. So... Here's a question. Okay. How much of the earth is earthworm shit? I would say 10%. That's a lot. It is a lot. How many earthworms are there? Because I'm saying specifically earthworms, not other type of worms. Oh, specifically earthworms? Yeah, specifically. Hmm. Maybe like 0.5%. Definitely not a whole number, though. Yeah. Definitely not. A, if we're just talking earthworms, definitely not a whole number. Okay. I feel like you got a little bit skewed because people breed earthworms for like gardens and stuff now, but even that's not a large amount. I'll tell you what. I want a, I want a worm farm. Really? Yeah. 100%. For fishing or for gardening? Gardening. Because I love plants. I currently don't own a single plant, but I used to grow like um, jalapenos when I was living in Albuquerque. Take a drink if you're waiting for me to say Albuquerque. But, um, yeah, I had a nice, healthy jalapeno plant, and I was like, oh, if I had ten of these, this would be a lot of fun. And, of course, I wouldn't do anything with the peppers apart from, like, occasionally use them in cooking and giving them to friends and family. Right. And I saw via one of my classes a worm farm, and I don't know how familiar you are with them, but... I have one. You do? Where? I've never seen one. It's actually out front. Out front? Or is that just... I thought that was just a compost bin. Nope. It's a worm farm. Okay. You have to rotate it to re-aerate the soil as well as kind of bring the worms back to the top so that they go back down to the okay. bottom. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, kind of, it, it, it is a composter in the sense that the worms make compost, but it's 
also a worm farm in the sense that's how you breed worms. Now, I will say there's no worms in it right now, mm-hmm. but yeah, it no, is the, a worm farm. The one that I'm thinking of is essentially like a worm hotel. It's where, the boxes? Yeah, the boxes. I've seen that design as well. Then like they go all the way through, and then once they're at the bottom, you just shift that up and put everything down. And some of them actually comes with a spout, so you get that essentially worm juice, that I, I think water. they call it garden tea is what i've heard the term used okay but what, whatever it is that like doesn't nu- taste good no you're not supposed to drink it your <laughs> plants are supposed to drink it right but it's just like packed with nutrients and apparently that's supposed to be like great for your plants i'm also now thinking of the worm sign from the the big pink alaskan bullworm and it's just a oh. little sign that said worm, worm. yeah <laughs> speaking of stuff that i have questions about you have a uh Scar-like tattoo, not tattoo, scar-like scar it's, on your uh, face. It's, it's just a scratch. I, I keep thinking you're going to say, long live the king and throw me into a buffalo stampede. Yeah. Or no. a wildebeest. Are they buffalo or wildebeest? Water buffalo. Water buffalo. But I'm, I'm sure. I got a water buffalo, yours <laughs> is fast and mine. VeggieTales reference. Fair. Uh, yeah, so this is just a few days old i got it thursday night Mm -hmm. because carolyn and i and our friend jessica went to a concert and the concert was mitski she's a bless you thank you now mitski is a uh, artist she does i i could be getting the genre completely wrong but i'm going to say dream pop but i like to affectionately call it sad girl music ah so like adele no, like more poppy. Oh, hmm. um, like Kesha post. Consp- no, no, no. So I'll play you some music later about about her. Okay. Like she has this song called Nobody. It's actually really good. But towards the end, a la um, Lil John shots. It's like nobody, nobody. Is she nobody. the girl that sings the I'm the bad guy song that gets memed a lot? No, my God, I, I, Andrew, I don't know. <laughs> so dream pop. Yeah, dream pop, and it's basically like sad girl music. Uh, I had a picture of like Kirby in my head. No, 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 no. But it was a lot of fun, and it was a great show. She's very entertaining, um, just a blast. And like outside my musical element, as far as what my taste in music is, but hey, Jessica and Carolyn loved it, and that was Carolyn's first time. Uh, seeing her live and was I it think, a dream pop come true yeah nice uh, it was everything everything she ever dream expected pop. to have in a Mitski concert and apparently like they were having some tech technical difficulties in the show because there was a power outage earlier so that apparently messed up like her being able to hear herself the rhythm of Must the be lights really rough to record without being able to hear yourself uh, I wouldn't know but that being said, she did an amazing job. Like, she mentioned that at the end of the concert, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I had no idea. Yeah, like, if you didn't get told, you wouldn't have known. Right. Like, why did you tell us? Now I want to think back at all the times. And then it was really funny because she com- she likes breaking the fourth wall. I was able to tell with that. It was hot. It was. It rained. It- oh. I thought you meant... Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. It rained. It was very humid. It was hot. At the end of the concert, she goes, you know what? I don't I don't want to do the encore um, fakeness of me leaving and then coming back for the encore, so we're just going to do it right now. <laughs> and I really appreciated that. Yeah. So anyways, the show was a blast. It was great. We were walking back to the car, and Carolyn does this thing... Um, where when we're walking together and holding hands that she's not really paying attention on how much room I'm being given. Mm. So like going through a store, I'll run into mannequins or clothes and just bump into things. Nice. Well, on the way back to the car from the venue, I bumped into a fence. I was like, all right, that's fine. Whatever. She's like, oh, sorry. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's no biggie. It happens. And then we're walking, we're walking, we're walking. I see this giant green dumpster. And I'm like, all right, it's far enough away. No problem at all, right? Right. Well, here's the thing, Andrew. It's dark. And the lid was open. The black lid was open. (laughs) And not only that, it was right at eye level. Oof. 
some asshole left the lid open and I walked right into it and boom. That's how I got the scratch. Nice. And quite frankly, if it wasn't for my glasses, it would have been my eye. Yeah. But yeah, so that's how I got the scratch and Carolyn was very apologetic about it, but in all fairness to her, that was not her fault. Yeah. <laughs> like that I in my mind it's like, all right, clearing the dumpster, we're good. Just some asshole left it open. And some tall to average sized person, such as myself, got hit. That's that sucks. Yeah, but so the concert was at the Paper Tiger, formerly the White Rabbit, which is down at St. Mary Street. Mm. And I'm I don't know. You said you're not really a concert goer, but have you ever been to like low? population concerts so like this probably held about 300 people i think i was at a concert about that size for um lindsey sterling okay it was about the about that size so i I don't remember where it was held it was some i think it was like a bar sometimes but they cleared it out so that they could do performance in there okay so like yeah at smaller venues you're going to not necessarily have the lit the venue itself is not going to have the logistic know-how and like, hey, let's line these people up. <laughs> yeah. And so when we went into the Paper Tiger, at first they had us in a line and then the people did not know how to just like line down the street. So they said, all right, let's just put them all in here because they have like a nice outdoor patio type area that you can wait before you go into the actual venue. Mm-hmm. And we got towards the front and... You could tell who was younger, who was older, because instead of doing the X's on the hands to mark who's under 21, you either had a purple wristband, meaning you're over 21, or a, like, tiger-striped wristband, meaning you're under 21. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of tiger-striped wristbands. Nice. And so we're all crowded together. Like I said, it was raining, and sure enough, it's day showers. So, like, sun's out, but rain's yeah. coming down. And... I just hear nonstop people complaining, people complaining. Like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. I heard one guy even say, how come Texas is the fucking worst place on earth? And, and that guy got immediately struck by lightning. Oh my God. I, like, So two things ran through my mind. I was like, well, that's a little extreme. Right. And the true Texan in me was like, well, you can get the fuck out. <laughs> We don't want you here. Send him back to California where he belongs. Or somewhere. I don't know. But, yeah. And then everybody sounded the same. (laughs) Everybody. Just like that kind of valley girl high-pitched. Oh, my God. No. No, 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 no. I'm sorry for your struggles there. And I I just leaned over to Carolyn. I'm like, everybody sounds the same. She's like, yeah, I know. And just people pushing and shoving and so the doors were to open at seven right but the doors didn't well they didn't actually let us in till like seven thirty, seven forty-five. right which okay i guess is something to complain about but as for me somebody that goes to like those type of concerts where you know it's at a low um population stadium mm. or not it's just a smaller venue Mm-hmm. I guess you're gonna expect that, right? But all these kids are complaining, complaining, complaining. I'm like, these stop complaining, right? You no, know, it's not a big thing. And Carolyn's like, well, they don't know that they've never been to a concert before, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Yeah. Oh, but here's the thing: I did that big dad energy move, mm-hmm. that that BDE, right? And uh, this. We like I said we were don't standing, Google that. We we were standing towards the front, and all of a sudden, this group of people's like, "Excuse me, excuse me, getting through. We're trying to get to our friend that's at the outside." Right. I was like, "All right, that makes sense." And sure enough, somebody had gone through a heat stroke or whatever, and that's fine. But these people are going through, mm-hmm. and this guy just stops right in front of me between Carolyn and I because the line of people stopped. Right. Now, they didn't keep going as in like, a oh, let's all go outside to check on our alleged friend. Right. And so in my mind, it's like, oh, you just fucking cut 
to get closer to the door so you can get in to see this woman like that if we're all here for we all pay the same amount of money except for the few people that did VIP but they're already taken care of and this guy <laughs> he just stops in front of me he's like duh, 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 duh. and I just looked at him I'm like hey so uh, let me ask you a question are those your friends and like were y'all really going to the outside to be with, to get a hold of your friend or are you just blowing smoke up my ass <laughs> and he goes what I'm like are you really trying to get out there with your friends? Or are you just being blowing smoke up my ass? Be real with me. He's like, uh, uh, they're not your, fr- they're not my friends. And I'm like, okay, well, here's the thing. My girlfriend's right there, so I'm just gonna get in front of you. <laughs> I just straight up moved in front of him, and I think that was the first time that man has ever been talked to <laughs> by Good. another man. Good. Because I'm just like, no, you don't fucking do that. Like, yeah, no, that we we. I assumed we all learned that in, like, first grade in kindergarten. You know, people that cut get cut. Like, that's the rule. Like, <laughs> Well, and you know me. I'm typically not that type of person as far as, like, confronting strangers. Right. Like, not at all. But it's like, no, fuck you. And, and oh, my God, Andrew. So, like, it was a clusterfuck getting in there mm-hmm. because we were trying to get as close to the stage as possible, which, by the way, we ended up just heading towards the back of the venue because it was so hot and so tight and we're just like honestly the close to the stage is kind of overrated right and but we're trying to get in and to paint a picture for you there's the wall Mm -hmm. then the crowd and then there was a pole with a trash can and then there was me and the rest of the crowd and we're all funneling in but these people are just trying to cut through and I actually have to push myself back against the people behind me because Carolyn was able to get through with Jessica and like they went a few feet ahead of me but the people that were right in front of me they were already getting squished like Mm. up against the barricade I saw the barricade start tilting over right and so like I started pushing back against the people behind me so these people can actually get through right without injury ladies remember it's good to date a wall and I actually like (laughs) I yelled out Jesus Christ, people, it's just a woman. (laughs) Like, let's narrow it down. Yes, she's an amazing performer. She's an amazing musician, but you're you're going to see a person. Right. It's not like you're going to go see some deity, some LGBT deity. No, at the end of the day, she is just a person. Right. Come on. Like, just behave. All of you. And here's the thing. She's going to be at other venues. Yeah. Like, this is not the only place she's ever going to perform again. And then, um, once we got there... And and it sounds like I'm complaining, but it's only because, like, I expect common human decency. And that's not what well, I see, got. That's that's your problem there. You overexpect too much. Right. Apparently, these people forgot what their parents taught them. And I don't think I've ever sounded more like an old man <laughs> than I have right now. You kids, get off my lawn. But uh, then we were standing in the middle, uh, just waiting for the show. And, of course, everybody there sounds pretentious. Even Carolyn acknowledges the fact that they all sounded pretentious. And I just hear this one guy talking to his significant other. Um, it's like, I saw him look back at the merch and then turn back to his partner and tell her, hey, she had the same merch as last time. And I'm just like, what's the big deal with that? Yeah, some people didn't buy it last time. Yeah. Maybe, merch is expensive. Why are you here? Are you just here for the music or are you here for just the merch? Like, And if you're here for the merch, sign up for the mailing list. And if you're here for the merch, then do I have a website for you? Right. It's just like, come on, don't fucking judge a person by that. Right. But, um, Especially some sort of small performer. Like, I mean, if you pick like a well, big... small, not fall. Small, but not small, because she has global success. Right, but I mean, like, anybody can have global success. Well, not anybody. It is possible for anybody to have global success nowadays in the, the digital age because of YouTube and things mm-hmm. of that nature. And it's very probable that they would be successful but 
it doesn't mean that you're guaranteed success. But even then, just because you have a global audience doesn't mean that you yourself are on the level of success of somebody who is like a big yeah, AAA okay. music industry. But by, by no means am I saying like, hey, she's a superstar. Right. But like, I don't want to shortchange her either. Like she has a global tour aside from a U.S. tour. Um, although it may be like 300 people size venues she's still selling out all, she's still selling out all of her shows right and so i'm like this is by no means like no small town artist right and, but still it's like this is their second time coming to san antonio in the two years that i've known about her so come on yeah it's like take it easy right all take the way around. it easy apart from that like i said music was great uh spending time there with carolyn and jessica always a fun nice always fun nice then of course a couple of beers didn't hurt either. <laughs> oh, that's something real quick. So yeah, we are a little bit more chill because we have in our hands two cups that are filled with um, what I like to affectionately called the Beelzebub, which is just three monster energies mixed together. Tell us the flavors. Uh, For those well, of you the, who want to make the official Commander Boy podcast drink. The official Commander Boy Beelzebub drink. So it has two varieties. It has the Manny Red and the uh, Andrew Green. So the Manny Red is a uh, ultra black, ultra white, and an ultra red. While the Andrew Green is the ultra black, ultra white, and the uh, Green Paradise. Nice. And I don't honestly don't know how yours is going to taste because right now we're drinking the Manny equivalent. Um, but... It works because you have the red, white, those are both cherries, and then the black is a black cherry. So this is ultimately it's just a super cherry drink that we're drinking. I feel like if we're gonna do the the Andrew Green, we should go for a white that light blue one and then green. Alright, we can give it a shot. But um The the Andrew Green is to be determined. Right. But the reason why I call it a Beelzebub, and by no means I don't think this is actually an original thought. I, I may have just given it an original name. He's lying. We created it, copyrighted it. TM. Do not steal. Yeah. But it, it was inspired by the conspiracy theory that Monster Energy, at least the logo, is done through the Hebrew numerical uh, alphabet. Where the three slashes of that make out the M look like the number six in that alphabet, and uh, so you know six 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 is the double, and so like we did three Monster Energy drinks together, we poured them together, Beelzebub, which is just a demon. Which I mean, technically is a downgrade, but right. Well, actually, isn't Beelzebub just like a fancy name for the devil? I have no idea. Yeah. It depends on who you ask and depends on what you read. I need to get caught up on my demonology. Yeah, well, you know. Demonology. In your spare time. Yeah, you know. Well, what spare time? <laughs> Speaking of spare time, you've been working on a school project? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is for my uh, leading people and organizations class. Tell me a more Commander Boy name for a class and I'll wait. Because th it's just like, hey... This is how you lead people. This is how you talk to people. This is how you negotiate. And just breaking it really down. Every, every um, class, or every week, we have a study. That So this week, I bought a house. I was partnered up with... Congrats. Thank you. I partnered up with somebody, and the situation was, you know this information about the house. Here's the house listing. Here's other houses in the area. Your budget is anywhere from two twenty thousand to two thirty five, with a walkout price of two thirty five, but the listing price is two forty, and then the seller had a similar scenario, and the seller gets um, picked out or they get evaluated based on how close to their selling price they can get, and the buyer gets picked out and evaluated based on their buying price. So, like so I had to get as close to 220 as possible and I actually closed for 228 so yay Congrats. then the next class we just went talking about like how come this was successful and this and that but all that being said that just gives you a little bit of flavor for the class but throughout the whole semester we are doing a project and I'm trying to remember it 
I want to say, oh, the Rainmaker Project. That's what he's calling it, my professor. And basically the task is to get... Throw lots of dollars yeah, in the air. Or get some musical instruments and just... Rainmaker. Right. <laughs> but, no, the actual project is, like, so get the group of people that you're going to be working with, and it's randomized, come together, discuss issues that um, you would like to see changed, and go out and change it, like, with an actual of public official of some sort. And so an example would be something that we already have in San Antonio, I don't know if you know about. Are you familiar with Zeroscape lawning? I was not. Okay, so Zeroscape has... I believe it's spelled X-E-R-O scape and it's a basically you get rocks and other like vegetation that doesn't require a lot of water so like cacti and stuff like that and that's an alternative form of landscaping and it uses significantly less water I did not know that's what it's called I personally am a huge fan of that and have wanted to do that my entire life yeah so all of the southwest will know about that and but san antonio i don't know if a lot of people know saws the water company we have here that's actually a benefit if you convert your lawn to zeroscape they will give you a discount on your water bill of some sort or give you a tax write-off or something which is impressive because saws usually doesn't care whether you can afford it or not right and like, so that was my example going into this thing without even realizing, like, hey, that's an actual thing that already exists. Mm. And so I'm like, all right, that's cool. Too bad it's so freaking expensive to start off Zeroscape. Right. It's kind of like solar power, uh, high upfront cost, but pays off in the long run. But the project that we decided on is, okay, the school parking for the University of Texas at San Antonio. Mm -hmm. Let's say you are a 18-year-old student you're looking for a university to attend you say mom dad take me to UTSA I want to see and they say drive yourself you have a license and a car but you're also remember the over they're also you also have over controlling parents that want to like make sure you're there every step of the way you want to make sure your kids going to a good school helicopter parents yeah <laughs> they just well, hover well where do you park I assume in the visitor section. Well, where is that? It's usually nearby the, um, like the main campus, uh, like the hub. I don't know. It the for SAC, it's the campus community center, the CCC. Right, and that makes sense. But unfortunately for UTSA, we don't have any visitor parking whatsoever. Really? We have a parking garage where you can pay two dollars an hour to park there. Wow. And, but, oh, here's an important thing. You can park in employee B parking and come commute commuter parking mm -hmm. for free on the weekends. So a visitor can park there on the weekends because, you know, all of academia as far as touring the campus is open on the weekends. Right. So our rationale is why would people want to go to our school if they just have to start paying for parking right out the gate? Reasonable. So we are going to try to develop a plan and go to the, um, well, whoever we need to get to to talk about changing the plans for parking. And my main idea right out the gate was to, okay, let's set aside some parking that we have close to those buildings that, you know, figure out where do tours start, where some of the hot spots that they visit, and let's cut off a section of that put down a machine that gives dispenses a ticket and while they're on tour or visiting whatever just has some place that they can accom accommodate parking and so like hey it's free parking as long as you get things stamped mm -hmm. i know it's a very old school way of thinking but then the argument comes like well how do you prevent students to uh to not park there and not park there for free and keep making them pay for commuter parking or whatever parking they need and so with that, I was like, well, let's make the parking expensive. Like, let's make it for $5 if you don't get it accommodated. Cause, and that rationale was like, well, let's say this, a student spends four out of 
seven days on campus, you know, right. Monday through Thursday. Right. That's 20 bucks for the Which week. Which is a lot. Right. And then 20 bucks for one semester, and that's 20 times 16, insert number here. I'm not good at public math. And basically, it's like, let's make it a price of where they have to pay every day. It comes out to be more expensive than if they were to just buy a commuter parking. For the record, it's $320. Right. So that's significantly more than a student would need to pay just to get a commuter parking. And so that's, that's basically our project on it. Like, hey, let's change the parking situation for the better. You're giving um, future students and future students' parents a good first impression of like, hey, you don't need to pay parking and we're an affordable school to top things off. And it also leads to the fact that it's like, all right, well, let's say they forget to accommodate their parking inside. Well, then the, the university's still making money. Right. And so we figure it's like, that's a good step. It may be easy. It may not be. It all depends. And the professor even told us, like, you know, you don't need to be successful with this. You just need to get to the point where you can try to contact the person mm. to get through. You got to have a good enough pitch that it's at least a chance. Right. Like, you would absolutely love this. So, like, give me an issue that that you would have just right off the top of your head. Just It could be whimsical. It could be silly. All right. Um... The traffic heading downtown at the middle of the day is always terrible. Is there a better way to get downtown? Because once you're downtown, you can hop on like a scooter or whatever. Mm -hmm. But getting from uptown to downtown requires a car and requires parking. And then you have to hope and find you can scooter or whatever. Is there a better method beyond like Uber to get me downtown? Well, and that's where you, you, as part of the project, would try to come up with that solution yourself. Like say, hey, it would be significantly better if we had a tram system that ran through the whole city. And you do the, all the math yourself, like it would cost this much theoretically, if you go through this routes, go through all the itty bitty steps, and then you would go up to the city council, or better yet, the secretary for any city council representative that you have to deal with. Right. Because people actually get stuff done. Right. Because as we all know, you got to get through the secretary before you can get to the main person. Right. Now, a main part of the project is we need to be aware of counter arguments because we have to think there's always going to be an opponent that wants it to stay the same because they have some benefit. And so with the parking alone, for us, the only opponent we see is the university itself. Right. Like, how do we get the actual university to change their mind on this thing? Right. How do we convince them, like, hey, y'all are going to arguably make less money than you have been? And so that's the school project. It's going to be interesting. I'm not going to say fun, but I do seem to have a good group of people. That's always important for a project. Yeah, and... That's a rarity for right. me, personally. I think that's a rarity, period. I think in my entire career in academia, I've had maybe one good project partner mm-hmm. group. Because we need a project manager. And typically, I was like, I'm just like, shit, that's going to be me. You're the project manager. Right. I'm always the manager. But I was. it was a blessing because... We just did the initial group discussion. It sounded like it was either me, this guy, or this lady that wanted, or not necessarily wanted it, because I don't think anybody ever really wants to be the main part of a group project. Oh, I do. Every time. At least in an academic sense. I do. Every time. (laughs) Well, you're the exception. but I often am. It seems like we're the three front runners, and we haven't even discussed which one's actually going to take the title. Quite frankly, I don't want it because I have so many other things on my plate right now. But I'm, I'm expecting good things from it. I don't think we'll actually do any changes, but we'll see. Well, keep us posted. Yeah, I'm not. So last week, not well, not last week, but the week before, I went to karaoke at this fun little place called Dad's Karaoke. You've been there. It's a great place. A lot of fun. For dads and non-dads alike. Mm-hmm. And, uh... I went there with Jessica and Carolyn. I, I invited you, but at the same time, I knew you would say no because you work at night. Right. Like a heathen. At night. 
the night ship life. Mm-hmm. But so we went, and I sang a song. Carolyn sang a couple of songs. Jessica sang one song. But half of the fun of karaoke, besides going up there and singing, is watching all the other people sing. Right. I would like to now tell you the story of the Shoop da Whoop lady. All right. So you're familiar with the salt and pepper song Shoop. Yep. Shoop, Shoop da Whoop, demonetized. We're not making any money. That song. For those of you that are not familiar with it, it's the song that was played in the test video test for trailer. the test, test trailer for the original Deadpool movie. Yeah. So it's that song. Well, we were late into the night. And for drunk speak, that means... Super drunk. Yeah. This lady in a skirt gets up to the stage. Play me the shoop da whoop Play the shoop da whoop song. Play it. Play the shoop da And it's like, all right. All right. We're going to play. And first off, I'm trying to figure out what what's the shoop da whoop <laughs> What kind of basketball move is a shoop da whoop? Is this lady gonna be playing basketball on stage? I'm not gonna lie. When you first said shoop da whoop song, even though I'm familiar with the salt and pepper thing, I was thinking it was the uh, Kanye West thing where he he kind of like did that like scatting into the microphone. You know, it was just <laughs> he was like because uh, uh, I think one of the things he even says is shoop da whoop. Shoop. Oh yeah, that's I think that's Kanye. We'll, is that Kanye? I don't know, but we'll see. But yeah, so this lady, shoot, play me, shoot the whoop, play me, shoot the whoop. And finally the music kicks in. You, you should also note that at Dad's, as in most karaoke, there's like a line that you have to sign up for. So this lady just jumped it? No, 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 no. I'm assuming that when she put her name on the list mm-hmm. to Sing. when she performed, there were multiple drinks involved. Ah. But, uh. Yeah, she was a little bit gone. And in all fairness, she was hitting most of the words. Like, right. it got to the point where she was just mumbling to the beat. Which, I mean, for those that have heard Shoop, is kind of... But I'm talking like she was twerking. She she was just, like, moving her body. She was, like, rubbing her hand against the front of her skirt, practically lifting it. I'm just like, oh, no. Sweetie, no. <laughs> No, Shoop the Whoop needs to noop. Needs to <laughs> no, 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 no. But she did bring an energy, <laughs> unlike others, which is always a good thing in karaoke. Right. Followed by this one guy who sang uh, Sublime Santeria. Nice. Now that's a pretty chill song, right? Super you know, chill. I don't practice Santeria. Like there's nothing, you know, hardcore about it. Right. But this guy following up shoop da whoop <laughs> music kicks in dun, 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 or however way it goes then I don't practice Santeria <laughs> I got no crystal ball and I was like hey whoa hey <laughs> hey this ain't no shoop da whoop bro <laughs> like this is a chill song I don't know I don't know who you've been hearing <laughs> but like, he was playing the uh, metal version yeah I guess but it's like oh it was I mean, even when Disturbed remade Sound of Silence, they knew to keep it mellow. Like, like it was mellow but metal. Right. Which is always great. Metal-low. <laughs> I know a couple of metal-lows. <laughs> They're the guys that paint their face. <laughs> uh, and, and then some other notable things of that night. Um, I want to say it was a song, This Is How We Do It, but it wasn't. Oh, no, it was Poison. Mm-hmm. You know, that girl is poison. And it was this uh, probably middle-aged white guy. Now, I don't like to normally say that, but this story actually does involve a little bit of race, only to kind of make it funny. Right. But when you see this older white gentleman go up to sing Poison, you know, it paints a picture. Like, Dad's is a little bit for everybody. Right. I felt like you could hear a pin drop over the music of all the, like, the black people in the room just staring at this man. Right. But he fucking killed it. Nice. He killed that song. He knew every single word, beat for beat. He sounded good. 
Next thing you know, towards the end of the song, ladies are dancing behind him. People are recording. Everybody in the whole crowd is just having a blast. I was like, Solid engagement. Yeah, it's like, damn. And then, like, that one part of the song, uh, he just goes, like, where it cuts out words, and it's just, and he goes, screw it. And he pushes away from the microphone and just starts shuffling on the ground (laughs) as a dance. And we're like, oh, my God, this guy. (laughs) By far, best performance of the night, period. And he was feeling it, and the audience was feeling it too. Yeah, I'm just like, oh my god, he's amazing. Call him Mr. Krabs. He was feeling it now. Uh huh. <laughs> Reminds me of another story, but um, yeah. So I love dads. I, I tried going there last week. I also am a fan of fathers. Yeah, yeah. Dads are great. <laughs> Miss you, dad. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I tried going again the other week. But it was way too busy. Like, I got in there, went straight to the um, booth to put my name down. Then looked up at the wait list. It was in the 40s. Oof. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. And so I went. I just went to another bar with a couple of friends and just played pool. Nice. Just. Nice. And um, I got a soccer game tonight. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. I see you in your soccer gear. Yeah, it's a nice little dad shirt. Nice. Nice. Can we make this episode to where it comes out on Father's Day? I mean, that depends when's Father's Day. The 16th? Of this month? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean... You should get on that. I should get on that. Note from the editor, he did not get on that. I don't have to... I'm not spending any money, because, you know, (laughs) reasons. (laughs) But you, on the other hand, you have a dad. I do have a dad. But, um, <coughs> yeah, so I'm actually going to the soccer game today probably by myself. Lonely, you're so lonely. Mm-hmm. You have nobody. Thank goodness for non demonetization. <laughs> Woke up in the middle of the night and I noticed that the soccer wasn't by my side. <laughs> uh, yeah, because Carolyn was working tonight. And she's probably she said she'd probably be too tired to go. Then I extended the offer to you. And I have the Dungeons and the Dragons. The, both the Dungeons and the Dragons. Yes. And I offered order. it to my cousin. And he also has the Dungeons and the Dragons because turns out y'all play together. Yeah. And um, arguably y'all see each other more than I see either of you combined. <laughs> That's saying something. And then I offered it to a coworker of mine. He said, nope. Then I offered it to my boss. He also said nope. Why did your boss say no? Uh, oh, because my boss is awesome, and he has a uh, bi-weekly D&D thing that he has to do also. So really, what we take away from this is that you should quit soccer and play more D&D. If I had more time, I would. Eh. I have, I have been wanting to, but only because I started up a new podcast listening to, not... Recording. I was going to say, I know I was there. We're recording it now. You're, you're the only <laughs> podcast for me, Andrew. It's uh, called, I don't know, stop me if you've heard of it, Not Another D&D Podcast. I have not heard of it. So you would love it. Because <laughs> you would love it. Uh, it's a podcast that is just essentially D&D sessions that they're recording. Mm-hmm. And it's by some of the people from College Humor. I heard about it. I heard about it, but I heard it referred to as the College Humor Podcast. Like, I didn't ever know what it was called. Well, there probably is a College Humor Podcast, but this is specifically D&D. Right. And to give you a premise, the campaign is after the campaign. Nice. So, in this story, this group of people, they are living in a world where the big evil dragon has already been defeated... The heroes have moved on with their life, and now they're just dealing with a situation of the ramifications of all of that afterwards. Like, what happens after the story is ended? That's pretty interesting. I've never heard of a D&D campaign that way, but there is a subsection of literature that I've recently got into called it's literature, D&D Lit, mm-hmm. and it's, I mean, it's just fire D&D, really. But, no, no, it's a literature written in the style of a D&D campaign. And what that means is that, like, there's a couple of different ones. The 
best one I would say that I've read so far is a book series called Super Sale on Superheroes. It's my favorite anime. Yeah. Uh, and basically, the main character, because in this world, everyone has, well, not everyone, but, like, but most people have some sort of superpowers. Superheroes are like a very commonplace thing. Uh, imagine the world of like Marvel, like how the average New Yorker would see superheroes. Um, but except obviously they're not licensed characters, they're made up characters. Mm-hmm. And this one guy has a power, but it's kind of a worthless power. He essentially has like a hundred skill points he can use a day, <laughs> okay. like almost like a D and D chart. Yeah, and he can modify things he owns. So he makes um, money by buying lead lures and turning them into gold and then pawning them. As you do. And so he realizes, due to some like shape, I should also clarify his particular city was taken over by a supervillain. That's not good. Well, it's not good, but they make this whole joke about like. Nothing really changed. The taxes really didn't change. It's just the black market is now the market. <laughs> like, that's really the only difference. It's a good way to think about it. Right. Yeah. And so as a result of living in a supervillain community, you know, drugs, guns, stuff like that, all legal, obviously. Uh, one of the things that is unfortunately legal is uh, some, like, kind of slavery sort of vibe you get, which is... All right, everybody, strap in. <laughs> so he's going to this like he's going to this black market dealer, and he's trying to buy a case of some sort of metal that's like a little bit more precious than lead. With his idea being that potentially he could um, turn it into something more valuable than gold, because he only has so many points to spend. But the black market dealer kind of double crosses him and sells him these like uh, superheroes that were caught and captured. Mm-hmm. So he basically releases them, but forces them to sign like this contract that says like you basically work for me, but I'll let you go. You like you won't be slaves anymore, but like you still work for me. And so because he quote owns them, he his point value goes up by like several hundred thousand. And so he's able to, like, augment their superpowers, and he can augment, like, some of their, like, abilities and uh, skills, and he can heal them when he, they're hurt, stuff like that. And so as the book goes along, he basically gets more and more people under this corporation that is all him, and it's just an excuse to boost his numbers. So then, you know, he has cars that he buys that he then just restores using points, or he has like a pawn shop that people come and give him like, you know, a, you know, a worn out baseball that was signed by somebody but you can't read anymore. He restores it to its original value and then sells it for maximum profit. But it's the whole concept of like it's literally a D and D chart is his superpower. <laughs> uh, and there's several stories like that. That's just my personal favorite. Yeah, but yeah, so the podcast like that it, that's the main thing that made me want to go back into D&D and like listening to like these characters do the zany adventures reminded me so much of Madrod right which Madrod Aranax um, was my character he was a dwarf and um, one campaign he was a ranger that really liked to throw his that, his axes and the, another campaign he was a bard and I think he was a more successful bard than he was a ranger Right. Or at least more entertaining, which makes sense. Right. But it it reminded me this one time. God, I don't remember which campaign it was, but it was you and I in a house. We were looting the place, and the rest of the group was yelling off from the ship because it was a port town. Right. They were yelling at us to hurry up. We have to go now. And we're like, no, because there's so much other stuff in this house. This is a good house. We need to take everything in here. Right. And then they uh, shot fireballs at us and lit the house on fire. And we got through by the skin of our teeth. Right. But then what happened? Do you remember? I I remember that incident, but I don't remember what caused it. Yeah. Um, It was zombies, right? No, 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 no. The zombies was afterwards. Okay. So, like, Esteban shot a fireball at us because he was a wizard, and that's what you do. Right. And that lit the house on fire. Right. And the way the city was set up, 
the rest of the city caught on fire. <laughs> I do remember that. And everybody died. <laughs> and then we tried to bring them back, and they all turned into zombies, and we had to kill them all over again. Yep. I do remember that. <laughs> We're the good guys, I promise. And that was uh, one of my favorite... <laughs> moments in D&D for matter you know I think it was our first campaign because yeah. I remember uh, when I was trying to get from one building to the other I was uh, swinging through the town a la Spider-Man style right with my throwing axes right. as you leverage had, you had strapped them to chains or something yeah because so were... yeah, I had the Thanos chains right it was like the, the God of War thing yeah 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 so basically what I did was I was given a chain that was able to uh you could throw it and it would come back. Right. And so I made up the clever idea, like, let me get my throwing axes and tie them to the end of this chain, which would give me essentially a throwing weapon that I could always just draw back and not have to worry about picking up later. Right. Which is really good for that character, considering I was a one trick pony as far as my attacks go. Right. And then I was like, hey, I could Spider-Man this. And sure, sure enough. It was like supposed to be a crazy acrobatic role, and as you know, dwarves do not have good acrobatics. Shocking. Right. But I landed like a nat 20. <laughs> I remember that. And you were Spider-Manning through the air. It was hilarious. Spider-dwarf, Spider-dwarf. And uh, that, that was so much fun. That, that Madrod was one of those characters that if he tried to do something like legitimately good or cool in battle, he couldn't. Right. But... The stupidest thing that he would do outside of battle, 100% he could do. I, I've always enjoyed my characters because I, I typically will give them... I, I try to make them well-rounded characters. I try to give them character flaws and backstory and stuff like that. As most good D&D players do. I know I'm not alone in that. But I, I think my favorite so far although my new character that i just made is possibly going to be my favorite um but my original character of haka atrene mm -hmm. um good old haka this is a uh haka lugi uh, a time that we were still kind of learning how to play D, &D. Mm -hmm. and uh we were going through our very first co major combat like we had fought some obviously like you know minor thieves or whatever but like this was the first real fight we did i think it was a troll right yeah yeah and troll. we so we killed the troll and we oh, were oh my god yeah you remember where this story's oh, going i unfortunately so, know so we killed the troll and the our dm who was teaching us how to play said now you can do things like loot this troll uh you know he probably didn't have any like equipment but People use troll parts for various things, like uh, I think tusks could be used to carve bone weapons, and then like troll fat could be used as like essentially like whale oil, or like a troll toe is like an ingredient to some whatever. Right, right. So yeah. like the Fantasy concept was world. like you can loot it, you won't get money or weapon, but there is other things to loot besides money, and yeah. weapons. And so I got the brilliant idea of like not brilliant, but you had an idea. <laughs> it was a brilliant idea. And I said, so how big is this troll? And he goes, well, I mean, like, the, you know, an average human might come up to its knee. And I was like, and it's a boy troll? <laughs> and then he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I want to cut off its ball sack. And he goes, all right? I mean, okay. And so I did. And so <laughs> I took this thing, which, you know, roughly the size of a backpack. Yes. And I took it to the nearest town. I'm like, hi, I'd like to get this turned into like a leather sack. And uh, you, you specifically said a leather backpack. A right. backpack. Leather, leather backpack. Uh, Nut sack pack. And, and it, it became kind of Haka's signature item. And because of the nature of it. <laughs> I'll say, you want to tell people the uh, weather effects that this thing had? Yeah, because of the nature of it. It could only hold, I think it was like 50 pounds if it was cold outside, but it could hold 150 pounds if it was hot. And eventually I got it turned into a uh, magical bag of holding. I got enchanted. And so then it still had limitations that changed based off the weather, but uh, it was obviously a lot greater. <laughs> and 
they the reason I picked all this is Haka. I I didn't mention this part is a half orc. Yeah. And in the D and D handbook, it says that uh, half orcs typically take trophies, like you know fingers or teeth or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, very Ears. tribal sign. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this was my first major kill. I got the backpack. Now any additional person I kill, I will have pockets. And so the sack pack was my my trophy. It got so bad that uh, my team members started just incinerating corpses as soon as they were dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because then there was also an, a question of like, would this bag deteriorate over time? And if it did, no, that's why I got enchanted and turned into leather. Well, yeah, thank the Lord. But you know, going back, like thinking of those campaigns, I can't even tell you the name of the land or the religion behind it all i know is that when madrod was a bard he was an atheistic bard (laughs) which is kind of a bit of an oxymoron as far as like a lot of songs have to deal with deities right and i uh my my new dnd character since we're on this subject i might as well tell you um his his name is uh yondor the shadow nice I, uh, I, I Sounds like something you made up. I mean, they're all something I made up. 100% of this is something I made up. Um, but this is now my fourth or fifth character, mm-hmm. and thereby my fourth or fifth campaign. Maybe even my sixth character, because I had a couple of campaigns where I had two characters. But uh, I always, as I stated, give them extensive backstories and stuff. And I always try to avoid picking an elf and a rogue because those are my favorite classes to play in any RPG. And my logic was, obviously, that's what everybody likes to play because I'm basic like that. So everyone is going to play an elf rogue. So we need more people to play other characters. So I've always tried to pick something other than an elf and a rogue. I realized after four campaigns or five campaigns, not very many people pick Rogue. Mm-hmm. In fact, of all of our campaigns, I think only one other person picked Rogue ever. And in my last campaign, I was playing a uh, deep gnome, which is like a um, very dark skin, almost like a drow, uh, but it's the gnome equivalent. Yeah. And he was a Rogue, but he was a scout, which is a variation on Rogue. I got to this campaign I'm like you know what I'm tired of not playing my favorite class I want to roll like 50 dice I want to do a thousand damage and attack I'm going to play a rogue assassin like that's what I want and so my DM was like okay but we're having a good guy campaign like you gotta write something that makes sense for that campaign and so I said alright I'm a Rick and Morty fan. I'm basing my character off Crimbopulous Pipel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just love killing. I just love killing you know, men, women, children, kids, elderly, pets, animals, you name it. I love killing it. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my DM's like, I thought you were supposed to write a good guy. And I'm like, oh. So here's... I, I 100% got this covered. You see, there is a planar race of people called the uh, Yondars and the Xandars mm-hmm. and or Gith Gith, Gith Yonder and Gith Xander those are the two uh, they were originally one race of people that was enslaved by this extra dimensional whatever and from living in that dimension they changed into the form that they are now there was a leader among their people named Gith, uh, G-I-T-H if you wanted to Google it, and he, he basically overthrew that person and freed them, and they named the race of their people Gith in his honor, but part of them wanted to follow his path of strength and power, and the other wanted to follow his path of knowledge and wisdom, so the Gith Yondar uh, chose the power path and the Gizander chose the uh, knowledge path and so that is the whole concept of my characters like I am just a power guy I was 
purely interested in just killing, but it got inconvenient to have to run from the guards and the law of, you know, whatever town I was in because, you know, people get upset when you just randomly start assassinating people. So I decided to be an assassin out of convenience because now I'm taking contracts and that's legal. So you don't have to worry about, you know, running from the law because the law is the one telling you to go after these people. And if you accidentally have some collateral damage along the way, you know, it just happens. It's part of the job. <laughs> wow. So we're running a little bit long. We're at an hour and 04. So I figured like, hey, let's do one last tiny segment and let's wrap it up. All right. Sounds good to me. How good are you with Star Wars names? Uh, not not very. Okay. Once you get outside the initial Skywalker line, I'm only a little. All right. All right. So have you ever thought, what would your Star Wars name be? I have not. I'm, I'm ready. All right. So you need to help me figure out. But this website that I'm looking at says your first name is the uh, first three letters of your last name and the first two letters of your first name. Okay. So the first three letters of my last name. And the first two, two letters, letters of my first name. Right. And then your last name is the first two letters of your mother's maiden name. Okay. And then the first three letters of your town you were born in. All right. Now, and then the way I do mine sometimes is the first three of your first name and then the last segment of your last name then your last name is the first segment of your last name followed by the last segment of your first name hmm. so first last last first so like in that aspect my name in Star Wars be it, it's, it's, my first name in Star Wars is Manano Zambuel hmm. and sounds like a minion talking yeah, Manano Zambuel. And uh, in this website, the way it says my name would be Zamno Alsan. Hmm. According to that website, my name would be Taren Kosan. There you go. That's a pretty solid pretty Star, solid Wars, Star name. Wars name. Yeah. I very well might use that for my, uh, my, my next character. Mm-hmm. I like that name. Yeah, solid name. And um, it's, it's just a little something silly. That is funny. And and I've always used names like that when it does, like, Star Wars video games. So, like, um, what was it called? Uh, that big that big uh, MMO. Oh, yeah. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Star Wars, and this will be the last, last thing, are you excited for EA's announcement for the new Star Wars game? Ooh, The Fallen Order, whatever it's called? Yeah. Baby boy, my girlfriend already... Uh, put that pre-order down for me nice like are you gonna watch the e3 presentation on it nah probably not (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna rely on your e3 obsessed best friend here to tell you all the details from the presentation most likely yeah (laughs) all right i'm I'm just going to assume that it's based after uh episode nine that's coming out soon and you just have to rebuild the jedi or what they think the jedi is and um like I'm looking forward to it. I'm really glad Carolyn got me a pre-order, albeit it was just like five bucks, you know, whatever. You still got to pay the full price for the game, right? But I also don't want to support pre-order culture. I I have mixed feelings about pre-orders. If the pre-order culture, as it is, is like, you know, I have to pre-order it or I won't get it and it's like an artificial scarcity, I'm against that. But with things like Amazon, where it mails it to me on the first day, to me, that's worth pre-ordering for. Mm-hmm. To, to me, that's a benefit, where it's like, I will get it at my house the day it comes out, and I don't have to worry about going to the store. That That's a benefit to me. There are certain times where like a pre-order will get you bonus content, I am okay with that in the concept of like a founders pack. Um, for instance, that game we talked about a couple yeah. weeks ago, Splitgate. I bought the founders pack for that, 
to me that's less of a pre-order and more of a supporting the creator um or like the product I'm, I'm for that but I'm with you there for the most part pre-order culture is kind of toxic also I'm done with early release games yeah either give me the full game or don't I, I know it worked for Minecraft but you're not Minecraft like no, one, no one's ever gonna be Minecraft again right I mean even Notch was like if I ever accidentally make the next thing that was popular as Minecraft I'll make sure to delete it yeah because like the thing is like you're guaranteeing an unfinished product right because who's to say when the product is ever finished right it's uh I forgot who says it and if your audience member you know please let me know um but art is never finished it's merely abandoned right and like I've always thought of anything that I do in that aspect um on that note let's end it on a bummer where can they uh, find us? Yes. Please locate us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with at Commander Boys. That's the at symbol. C-O-M-M-A-N-D-E-R-B-O-Y-S. Commander Boys. Yeah, so follow us there at Commander Boys. Or um, just send us an email via the Commander Boys podcast at gmail.com. Give us some constructive or deconstructive criticism. And uh, where can they hear us if they're not listening to us already? Well, if you're listening to us already, you're probably listening on SoundCloud. Good job. But uh, we recently got on Spotify, Spotify. and Stitcher. Stitcher. We, we are attempting to get on other platforms as well, iTunes being our primary gold right now. iTunes left us unseen. Uh, if you have a particular podcast platform that you want to hear us on send us an email let us know and we will add it to the list i'm still working on learning how to do smoke signals yep yep it's just hard to do that like when there's two of us we have been shouting out the window though yeah have y'all been hearing it i don't think my neighbors are very happy they don't like our podcast as much as you guys do Hmm. all right well i'm andrew i'm manny and this has been the commander boys podcast see y'all next time